Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cotton Yarns, the podcast for Australian cotton growers where we'll pick the brains of the best and brightest of our industry to help you get the most out of your crop. G'day everyone and welcome back to Cotton Yarns. I've got a ripper episode for you today. We're going to be talking to Jamie Street, a consulting agronomist from out at St George, and he's going to give us his tips and insights in the do's and don'ts of back-to-back cotton. Now, back-to-back cotton is going to be pretty common this season with plenty of water available and a lot of crop gone in in the past season. Jamie's extremely knowledgeable in this area, so this episode is a must if you're looking at growing back-to-back cotton this coming season. Uh, Welcome, Jamie, to the Cotton Yarns podcast, mate. Today, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the do's and don'ts of of back-to-back cotton. We're pretty fortunate going into this coming season with with plenty of water and other resources, so there's going to be a lot of back-to-back country around. Before we kick off, Jamie, do you just want to introduce yourself to the audience, mate, a bit about who you are and and what you do in the cotton industry? Sure, Angus. Uh, Yes, good morning, and thanks for having me on for a chat today. I'm a a crop consultant based in the Boulogne Shire, covering the St George, Durham, Bandy, Fallon regions. I have been a private consultant in this district. Uh, we're going into my 34th cotton season. So, yeah, that's probably my first introduction to cotton was actually back in the uni holidays in 84 when I um, did a season checking for a consultant on the downs. And then from there, once I finished a degree in agronomy at, at Catton College, I joined the DPI as an extension agronomist for a couple of years, trained in Dolby and then moved to St George. And apart from a, a little stint in Gundawindi with the elders, I've been in St George ever since. So you've basically been involved in cotton your whole life? Uh, well, I wouldn't say my whole life, but a fair, fair bit of it fair as time marches yeah, on. Fair yes. enough, mate. <laughs> so um, back-to-back cotton, it's it's particularly popular out, out at St George and, and the western areas of Queensland as well as um, New South Wales where water's not always a given in those areas. And when there is water... Um, growers like to make the most of it and, and plant cotton back-to-back. So do you just want to give us a, a brief overview of back-to-back cotton and some of the main issues that are associated with it from a, a uh, nutrition disease and a, and a ground prep aspect? Uh, sure. Yes, you're dead right. So we live in the land of droughts and flooding rains and we had seven years of drought and not a lot of production and now we've swung into three years of of above average rain and floods. So uh, once we do get water, most growers in our region, you know, cotton's their primary crop. It's the most profitable crop and it's probably the most resilient irrigation crop for our environment. In a normal tight back-to-back situation, we would be picking in early April and then have six months to turn the country around and get it ready for cotton for planting again in the following October. In average years, where with average rainfall, that's generally sufficient time to get the country ready and, and turn it around. Uh, probably uh, this year is a bit different, but the normal year probably being a little bit dry through the winter can be um, more of a problem with getting a, a suitable seed bed and having you know suitable conditions to work. This year it's the reverse. Some of the issues, yes, so you've got only that six-month time frame to get it ready. Unlike a long fallowed or coming out of a rotation crop, your pre-plant soil nitrogen levels are generally going to be low. We've just had a crop that's generally, you know, removed quite a bit of P and K, so we need to top those levels up 
fully going into the next crop and we generally work on a replacement strategy from uh, what's been removed with the previous crop with the phosphorus and potassium. It depends on the yield target, the water availability as to the nitrogen and also if there's a soil test available, yeah, what the soil test is showing us, but generally with back-to-back -back it's um, pretty low. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I don't know, from a ground prep point of view, you know, we generally after the crop has been picked, we root cut mulch, then spread the starter blend on the P and K, and then incorporate that with the next few workings, depending on the conditions at the time, we might middle bust and then side bust, or um, some people might rip and cross rip and pull up the hills, apply some pre-plant in, and then, um, yeah, depending on the season, might be one or two cultivations, culti pack, bedroll, and then we tend to plant dry and water up in most cases. Yes. Um, from a disease point of view, um, we're a little bit fortunate in our area and probably uh, different to some other areas in that at this point in time, touch wood, verticillium wilt and reniform nematodes aren't such an issue as they are to the southeast and reniform nematodes in CQ. Our main disease is fusarium wilt and fusarium wilt is um, it's unfortunate in that there isn't a good rotation crop to help break fusarium wilt, probably bare fallow or plenty of cotton with a high variety with a high F rank is probably as good a uh, management for the germ as there is that I'm aware of. So obviously back to back, you, you know, if you can get rid of the, apart from fusarium, it, with the seedling diseases like Rhizoctonia, Pythium, if you can, and maybe if there's been some alternaria late season, if you can incorporate the crop residues and get it breaking down as quickly as possible before the next crop, that's an advantage. If you can, you know, like, have as good a bed preparation and have nice high hills and a well-consolidated seed bed and get the crop off to a good start. That will also help from a disease point of view. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, I'm just uh, not sure. Is there anything else there? I think another good, good, good thing to mention for a disease, particularly verticillium wilt, is, is to not overdo your nitrogen application. You know, we've, we've done some a little bit of work that shows that, um, in, in situations with high nitrogen inputs and high nitrogen levels in your soil, we can see increased infection from verticillium wilt. I think that's a good point, not to do overdo your nitrogen too early. Maybe some split applications will help that. Like you said, I agree with, with your soil preparation and getting your crop off to the best start, get it growing healthy early and not getting giving disease an opportunity to, to enter the crop early on in its growth cycle. Um, I think those yes. are really good points. Yeah, to grow a good crop, I think that's always the aim. I think you've often won 50% of the battle if you can establish a good, even, consistent, healthy standard seedlings. Yeah, and them away. So there's not much different there with the other system. It's just you've got less time to do it and you've got, uh, you know, you're generally probably not going to have quite as good soil conditions as planting where you're not going to as compared to being able to long fallow out of wheat, for example. Yep, yep. And yeah. mate, what are what are some common mistakes that growers might make leading up to to growing back to back cotton or during the season, um, managing crops that are back to back cotton, particularly this year when, like you said, we've got limited time to prepare fields um, because of the late pick, the wet weather. Plus, we're we're looking at a pretty prolonged winter plant this year with a lot of guys still have planters out in the paddocks, so it's 
going to be a pretty hectic winner, I think, mate. But what are some of those common mistakes that growers might make leading into a back-to-back season? Yeah, okay, Angus. Yes, certainly challenging conditions at the moment for us. There's uh, quite a bit of late cotton still yet to be picked and actually the ground's still wet in some cases to traffic a picker. So uh, certainly the time for ground prep is, is, is getting more truncated every day. Uh, some mistakes, I don't know about common, but some mistakes um, or some things you see over the years would be um, sometimes I think, you know, there's merit or benefit in an extra pass with a cultivator or with a culti packer or, or, you know, cultivator just to pull up a bigger hill and one extra pass can sometimes make the difference between, you know, a pretty average sort of seed bed and a, and a better seed bed where your chance of success of getting that crop away to a healthy start is is enhanced and you know if you can't get your crop away to a good start well you may have uh, and you've got a gappy stand or an uneven stand or an unthrifty stand you've probably done some yield straight from the get-go yeah uh, or alternatively if you have to replant replanting is a considerable cost in itself with seed you know um and having to run over and replant it so yeah sometimes if conditions aren't ideal i think one extra pass in the ground prep stage can pay dividends. Uh, some other mistakes, I guess, with back-to-back cotton is that with back-to-back cotton, you're going to have cotton volunteers, which aren't controlled by Roundup Ready herbicide. So generally in crop, we're tending, you know, we generally need to do at least two in crop cultivations or an in crop cultivation and a, and a shielded spray application, yep. and we're normally having to do a second one after the first in-crop irrigation when we get another flush of volunteers. And there's a limited time between the first and second in-crop irrigation to get you know that cultivation done, get some additional nitrogen on. If you're going to put down some lay-by herbicide, get some lay-by herbicide. It's a it's a very truncated period, and I you know often refer to it as a bottleneck. So you need good capacity and be able to complete those operations in a very timely manner between the first and second irrigation. If you're in a fallow situation, don't have cotton volunteers, you might only do one cultivation or one shielded spray and put down some residual early and you don't you don't have that pressure. Another mistake with back-to-back cotton is that I've seen, luckily infrequently, but I've seen it a couple of times and it's I don't like it, is is mealybugs. Cotton Solenopolis mealybugs are a trans-seasonal pest and if yes. you've got mealybugs in your crop this season, you're probably going to have them in the next crop at higher levels unless you're able to completely kill all the cotton at least two months or preferably longer prior to planting the next crop. And in the current conditions, with being wetter than ideal, it's difficult to get a complete job or kill with a root cut mulch operation. So you've still got situations where there's a living root underneath the soil, even though the plant may not be growing above it. And that is a very suitable environment for mealybugs to overwinter on. So yeah, you um, need to follow that up with some, you know, robust tillage where possible to get make sure there is no living cotton in the field for at least, like I say, sixty days prior to planting the next crop, and the longer the better, really. Yeah, that's a couple that come to mind anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, and do you think coming out of a season like we've had, like it's it's been pretty wet and we're seeing some pretty severe cases of compaction from pickers um, in some stations. Those things are like bloody stingrays when they get bogged, you can't get them out. What, do you think that 
extra pass with a with a cultivation tool is will be particularly important this season because of that compaction? I think it'll be as important, more important than normal for sure, because yep. I think if uh, you're able to ameliorate that compaction or try and, you know, work the sides of the beds or try and depends, I guess, across different districts, there's been different amounts of rainfall, but yeah, generally from what I can see, conditions have been, you know, pretty wet in many areas. And for example, we had, um, you know, 340 mils from um, March through to the end of May with 200 of those in May. So yeah, there's you know, a lot of compaction, a lot more compaction than normal. And to ameliorate that, there's going to be some slivers brought up to, and, you know, to pre- prepare a seed bed, it, I think it is going to take an extra pass or between cultivations, you know, I've, I've seen in the past that running a culvy packer between cultivations can help break down those clods that get thrown up on top of the bed if yeah. they have time to weather and try and get some more fines for, for the seed bed. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no easy answers uh, to deal with compaction, particularly at this time of year where things take a long time to dry out or dry out very slowly. So just depends on the level of compaction that the field has and the time constraints you have to get it ready as to which approach is taken. But, yeah, there's no easy answers. But yeah, certainly no, an extra working is probably going to pay benefit this year. Yeah, it's like anything in the agricultural industry. There just doesn't seem to be one good answer um, or one good solution to, to a problem. Leading into the growing season, mate, is there anything you think that needs to be done differently while the back-to-back cotton crops being grown? For example, does it need a more intensive monitoring in terms of its nutrition levels of the plant throughout the season to make sure it's it's getting those nutrients it required and may have been lacking during the fallow? Yeah, uh, good question, Angus. I think from the get-go, we're coming up to seed order time and in my experience in this area, have had limited experience with the new variety 606 but with the other varieties 748 and 746 I generally found that's you know choosing a more vigorous indeterminate variety like 748 in a back-to-back situation has paid dividends I think um, you know as we discussed earlier we want to try and get the crop off to a good start so we want good high hills with good drainage if possible Um, the tilth may not be ideal which case you know, you, uh, probably the Rolls-Royce approach is if you can get it ready early enough is to pre-irrigate, give it three or four weeks, get a uh, good germination of volunteers up, let it settle and then plant shallow and dry and either get an inch or two of rain to bring up the crop or, or flush it. That that can help get you off to a good start. Normally in a back-to-back situation, I, I generally like to, you know, well, generally happy to see 60, 70% of the pre-plant nitrogen applied up front. Yep. In this year, I'd be more comfortable probably with only 50% up front and try and get the other 50% on in crop if possible due to the current conditions, soil conditions. So, yes, that requires monitoring the crop growth, the yield expectations and whether you're tracking that way and, you know, what ability the farm has to be able to apply the nitrogen in crop. Do they have in buggies, water run, which I find is a good way, or are they limited to a spreading operation or a side dress operation? You know, if you've got to bear in mind that with compaction, you probably, if we, you're in a compacted field, you have to have realistic expectations that your yield potential is likely to be lower than uh, what it was last season. And there's, you know, probably a temptation to reduce the nitrogen inputs based on a lower yield expectation. But the other thing to bear in mind is that the fertiliser recovery is lower in the compacted soil and you may 
even though you may have a 10 to 15 percent yield decrease if you saw depending on how bad the compaction levels are you also might have a 10 to 15 percent reduction in recovery of nitrogen or efficiency of uptake so i probably um wouldn't cut back the nitrogen rates too much as long as the crop was showing good potential you know coming into first flower yep. and you were able to keep pushing it along irrigations depending on the level of compaction may need to be more frequent but in saying that they don't want to be more of a flush than uh, a prolonged waterlogging event if the water's on there too long or if you get a rainfall on the irrigation you know the negative effects are going to be worse in a compacted scenario where there's less oxygen in the soil for the roots to access to begin with or less pores for the roots to, to grow in. Um, so we generally use sea probes for helping with irrigation decisions as well as looking at the crop growth and also rules of thumb as to where we are and the crop development, but probably in a compacted soil condition going forward. Next season, I see, you know, maybe canopy uh, temperature sensors also have a good fit been able to give you a bit of a an earlier indication that the crop is starting to struggle for moisture rather than just looking at the the sea probe data so using the two in conjunction i think would have quite a bit of merit this year yep yeah yeah I, I, there are a few things to look at maybe um, a couple of differences this year again mainly because of the wet conditions we have at the moment but where i generally like prefer to probably have 70 to 80 percent first position fruit retention at first flower if you're in a compacted situation maybe you know 50 or 60 percent mightn't be such a bad thing to help aid crop vigor going into flowering yep so in saying Uh, that are you sort of saying to have less pressure on the plant going into flowering to get more vegetative growth rather than energy in the fruit production Yes, I guess so. Try and, you know, hopefully get that root down a bit deeper and um, maybe penetrate some compacted zones and have for the crop to have a bit more vigour going into, you know, a strong fruiting cycle than than what it may have if, if it's fully loaded at first flower. But, you know, that, that's not easy to manipulate anyway. It depends on the, the insect pressure in the season. Yeah. And if, the, if, if it's back-to-back and the crop's got good vigour, well, then, you know, certainly I still probably prefer a higher retention level. That's probably the main things, I think, Angus. Yeah, yeah, no. Unless you can think of something else. No, mate, I think you've covered most of it. There's been some fantastic information you've shared with us there, but I guess we'll look at wrapping it up, mate. I know you've you've given us a lot of tips on, on what to do and what to look out for, mate, but if there was three or four main ones that, growers and, and consultants and industry should take away from this podcast on on how to deal with back-to-back cotton and how to get the most potential out of your back-to-back crop, mate? What would they be? Just two or three or four tips? Uh, okay. Well, I think the main uh, first one we've touched on a few times is trying to get your seabed preparation as good as possible given the conditions to make sure you can get the crop off to a good start. And that might mean you know an extra working or it might mean an early pre-water followed by planting dry and flushing up. The other tip I would have, I've seen, uh, and probably goes back into the mistake category, so I'm retracing my steps a bit here, but if the beds aren't well consolidated and you're planting dry, you need, it's much better to have uplift springs on your planter boxes to take the weight off the boxes. If that seed just needs to be under the surface, no more than a sort of a fingernail, as long as it's covered by a bit of dirt. If the the beds, um, you know, sink and collapse a bit, 
the shallower that seed is, the better chance you have of getting a stand. And often if the beds aren't well consolidated and you don't have uplift springs on your planter boxes to take the weight off, the beds can be knocked around uh, a lot at planting time and the height reduced and you know, then you have issues with water overtopping the hills and generally end up with a poor start. Um, so that's one. Once you get it up and away, operations, as per always, need to be done in a timely fashion and with back-to-back. As I mentioned earlier, there's that bottleneck between the first and second in-crop irrigation where generally quite a few things need to happen in a, in a short space of time to maintain good vigour and growth going into commencement of flowering. Uh, winding back, I do, uh, the third tip would be, I have seen where there's been a poor root cut mulching jobs in the past. You haven't been aware of it over winter because there's been no above ground growth in the cold winter conditions. But come into spring, the cotton's been planted dry, the crop's been watered up and return cotton has popped up beside it. In one case, you know, by the end of October on that return cotton, I had mealybugs. There were mealybugs in the crop right from the get-go. So mealybugs can be a very problematic insect pest yeah, and the best the best thing is prevention so you know maybe not all areas have mealybugs but if you've seen some mealybugs this season late in the crop i think it's very um, a good idea to try and you know do your utmost to make sure that you don't have any stub cotton or alive underneath the ground for at least 60 days prior to planting yep and then yes another tip uh probably going on a bit too long but is you know i think try and push the crop along with more frequent irrigations but trying to avoid water logging and try and top up you know uh, run water run or spread a couple at least two or three um in crop nitrogen top up applications to try and keep the crop ticking along yep no very good jamie thank you for giving up your time mate to have a chat with me i know our listeners will get a lot out of this conversation, mate. I know I did. There's some really, really good tips for the coming season, mate. So thanks very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure, Angus, and thanks for having me. And, yeah, just like to wish all the growers who might be listening all the best uh, for the coming season. Hope it goes well. Thanks, mate. No worries. Cheers. A massive thanks to Jamie Street for joining me today. That was a cracker of an episode. I know I learn a lot about back-to-back cotton, and it's really interesting to hear some of the do's and don'ts involve if you have any more questions about back-to-back cotton i strongly encourage you to contact your local and agronomist or jump on csd website and flick through our resources to find some more information thanks for listening everyone and i'll catch you next time